Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. We're going to start by saying that if you asked any good newspaper editor what sort of stories will sell the most copies, three categories always come up sex, celebrities, and religion. And if you can combine all three of these categories, then you've got a guaranteed bestseller. So taking this into consideration, I wrote a headline for today's scripture. And here it is. Elderly woman pregnant with prophet, an unwed teenage virgin to birth son of God. That's the headline that we're going to be exploring in our scripture text this morning. So I want to start with a little bit of fun, right? If you saw this, we're going to do a Zoom poll. So those of you that are at your computers, get ready. Let's see where we come out on this. If you saw this headline on a newspaper while standing in line at the grocery store, you would do what? You would laugh out loud and walk away, not buying it? Intrigued, you would at least consider buying it, or see, you would buy it on the spot because it was so compelling. All right, this should literally take 10 seconds because <laughs> it's ridiculous. Which of these things would you do? All right, I'm gonna answer. And in about 10 seconds, Dustin is gonna read the results of our poll. And we'll see where we would come out if we saw this newspaper headline in line while at the grocery store. Dustin, what do we got? Well, most people say they'd laugh out loud and walk away. A uh, few would be intrigued and consider buying it. And only one person plus myself would buy it on the spot. <laughs> oh, thank you. One person plus I can't yourself. get enough. I can't yeah, get enough thank- of the tabloids, man. TMZ. Thank you for that. I'm glad there's uh, someone, at least two people, based on the headline that I wrote, uh, would would buy that. So this morning, we're going to look at two birth announcements that both seem completely impossible. Both are meant to be interpreted together. So here we go, part one of our crazy headline. The first part of the scripture is the second part of my headline, unwed teenage virgin to birth son of God. This comes to us from Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne that is ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be 
since I am a virgin. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Birth announcements have always been exciting across time and cultures because in them we're reminded of the significance of newness, new hopes, new dreams, new possibilities. The birth announcement to Mary is packed with useful information. We learn that Mary is betrothed to Joseph, who is from the lineage of King David. Pretty good start. Gabriel announces to Mary that she will bear a son named Jesus, which is helpful because now Mary and Joseph won't have to spend days arguing over a name. God's messenger tells Mary that the baby would be great. Gabriel said that Jesus would be called the Son of the Most High and later the Son of God. And he would be a king who would rule over an endless kingdom for eternity. How is Mary supposed to respond to this shocking news? Of course she's perplexed. This is impossible. She wonders, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, people in Jesus' time didn't know much about X and Y chromosomes, but they knew that babies weren't delivered by the stork. They also knew that people claiming to be pregnant by any other means were most likely trying to cover up for some kind of scandalous infidelity. Joseph, according to law and custom, would have had every right to dismiss Mary under those circumstances. So while Elizabeth will have to overcome the barrenness of old age, Mary will have to overcome the stigma and the shame of being an unwed teenage mother. Now, if Luke were trying to make up a more believable story, I just don't think he would have ever chosen a virgin birth. And yet Matthew and Luke's gospel, they insist on it, as has, by the way, 2,000 years of Christian tradition. Luke places Jesus within the context of Israel's history. But he also wants us to understand that something entirely new is about to happen. The love of God to seek and to save was coming to us, incarnate in this baby Jesus. But for Mary, this is just the beginning of this story of pain and humiliation that will lead her son to be condemned and crucified as a common criminal. Jesus was born marginalized and born to marginalized parents. That would not change in his lifetime. And then in response to Mary's kind of uh, 
perplexity and protest, the angel Gabriel tells her that her relative is already pregnant. Mary maybe in this moment realizes that she is not completely alone in this. First, the scripture says she's perplexed, but we watch her move into acceptance. And in the end, we see her express real joy. We'll hear that joy expressed in a song after I finish my hour and a half sermon. All right? So here's part two. Elderly woman pregnant with prophet. Verses 39 to 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mary hears the news. She sets out for the Judean hill country. She arrives at the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. This visit between these two expectant women was about far more than discussing the issues of pregnancy or comparing delivery dates. It's not only the meeting of two dear family members, but it's also being portrayed as the meeting of the two unborn children, John the baptizer and Jesus. Elizabeth is getting up there in years. She and Zechariah have longed their whole lives for children, and they just hadn't been blessed with any. Now, for hundreds of years, the expectation for the coming of God's deliverer had been building. John, the baptizer, would be the last in a long line of great prophets of Israel, prophets that pointed toward this day that God would do something entirely new. And so Luke gives us multiple clues that as great as both of these babies will one day be, that Jesus will be the far greater of the two. In fact, there's this amazing detail in the story that just shouldn't be overlooked. I've actually preached on this detail in an entire sermon a couple years ago. In his life and ministry, John's single focused job was to point people to Jesus. And look what he does even before he's born. He's accomplishing his mission. John leaps for joy in the presence of Jesus. There is something that just I marvel at in this story. There's no competition between Mary and Elizabeth. They don't debate or argue about whose son is going to be greater. Which one will have the higher GPA or get into the better Hebrew school or study with the more prominent rabbi? They just don't debate whose son will have more influence or make more money. Elizabeth's response at being in Mary's presence is simply one of joy. I am 
incredibly impressed with Elizabeth. When so many others would be jealous, she's not. She recognized that she too would have an important part to play, that she too had been truly blessed. Here are two things that really struck me reading the story again this year. First is the prominent role of women in the birth of Jesus. While we recognize today that much of our history has been told from a male perspective, and usually a white male perspective, the Gospel writer Luke, what does he do? He lifts up two prominent, you know, the prominent role of two women. Luke offers us Mary and Elizabeth as role models of discipleship. The great theologian Karl Barth noted that the male has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. He wrote, the male as the specific agent of human action in history must now retire into the background. Here the woman stands absolutely in the foreground. In our text today, as a matter of fact, two women stand in the foreground. And I want to finish by sharing one thing that I've learned from this encounter between these two women this year that I hope will shape how I live out my faith during this Advent season. And here it is. Elizabeth refuses to marginalize Mary or her baby. Now, before you go thinking that really this isn't that big a deal, I want you to consider this point in light of a few things. First, today, do you know that most people don't know the biblical story anymore? So just keep that in mind for a second. Now also consider, most people, their number one complaint about Christians is that they're harsh, critical, and judgmental, especially when it comes to issues of perceived immorality. Now, pretend for a moment that you didn't know the biblical story of Jesus's birth, that you were reading Luke's gospel for the very first time today, and that your general view of Christians is that they can be awfully harsh and judgmental. How would you expect Elizabeth to respond and react to Mary? How might you expect a modern-day Christian Elizabeth to act in these similar circumstances. You might rightfully expect this righteous, religious, kind of a goody two-shoes of a woman, Elizabeth. You might expect her to speak harshly to her unwed, pregnant, teenage relative. You might expect her to marginalize her like the rest of the community would have been doing at least behind their backs. Jesus was born to, was born a marginalized baby to marginalized parents. He was conceived when his mother was unwed. Even though Luke says the birth of Jesus to Mary is ordained by God, it was nevertheless socially condemned by the prevailing culture. Jesus, as well as his parents, was marginalized from the time of conception to the time of his shameful death. And yet look at Elizabeth's response to Mary's good news. 
when we might expect harsh judgment, this is what we get. And this is what I'm going to take away. I just can't believe this is just jumping off the page to me. Elizabeth, instead of harsh judgment, offers a word of welcome. Instead of a harsh judgment, Elizabeth possesses an attitude of pure joy. And finally, instead of expecting a harsh judgment, Elizabeth's posture is one of deferential respect. Welcome, joy, respect. What can we who profess to follow Jesus today learn from these wonderful role model women, especially from Elizabeth's response? In a year where we're as divided as ever, in a year where demonizing the other is much easier than it's ever been in the past, in a year when the most vulnerable people in our communities are taking the brunt of the suffering, and sadly, in a year where Christians in our own community are becoming known by the prevailing culture for being bitter and defiant, how will we be shaped by the Holy Spirit like Elizabeth was in that moment. The scriptures say Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, she's able to recognize what God was up to in that moment when the truth is that I truly believe that most people would have missed it. How well do we see what God is up to all around us this Advent season? And when we see what God is up to, our job is always to join in with the work that God is already doing. Like my modern day hero, whom I talk about all the time, Father Greg Boyle, if he were preaching this sermon, he might say something like this, Elizabeth stood on the margins with her unwed teenage pregnant relative in order that the margins might be erased. It makes me wonder in the spirit of Elizabeth, who might we extend a joyous welcome to this Christmas season? With whom might we need to stand on the margins with so that those margins might be erased? Now back to my original newspaper headline. Elderly woman pregnant with prophet. Unwed teenage virgin to birth son of God. Sounds crazy, right? Friends, we know that Luke wants to teach us and remind us over and over again that nothing is impossible for God. 